Welcome to the Lenslen podcast. Today we're joined by Carla Klassen. Welcome. welcome. Thank you. And today we're going to be talking about the film industry. Carla is an actress, and so she'll be giving us her experiences, how she got to where she is, and yeah, the whole the whole spilling the tea. <laughs> Anyways, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Happy New Year to to everybody. This is the first episode recorded in the new year. So, you know, we're on that green juice vibe, drinking healthy things, getting good body. Summer body has left us, but uh, December was kind. You ready? Yeah. Let's get into it. So, first off, I want to know where did the the inspiration to be an actor, an actress? Where did when did you feel like you could perform? You wanted to showcase that sort of a talent. Um, so I think I'd probably attribute it to my parents' friends. Something I realized <laughs> like maybe last year. Um, we were in an environment where it was always like, "Come perform for us, you know, show us how you do this." Mm-hmm. And like, I guess it was kind of like the reward, right? The clapping. Um, and I was like, "Ah, oh, this feels good." It's not a good reason to get into acting because that can <laughs> prove quite dangerous later. But. Um, yeah, so I think it was that, but I can distinctly remember always wanting to act and always wanting to perform or sing or do something like that. But I think when I really fell in love with the idea of being in a different world, it's like, it's going to be so corny and I'm going to reveal like, what a nerd and a geek I am. Mm. But I really fell in love with Harry Potter and I became like really obsessed with this idea of like being at Hogwarts, yeah. right? Like <laughs> I was eight when I interacted with the books for the first time. And there was something about like being able to be in another world um, that I find still find amazing. Like I want to be all these things, and I'm not going to be, but I, I get to like get into magical worlds with like these fantastical situations and explore different human emotions. And like literally now, when I still finish finish a series or like I finish a book, I literally mourn characters because mm. like and I mourn the ending because I'm not allowed to be a part of that world anymore. I mean, I could just watch it again. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's never the same. No, it's not the same. Yeah. Like the first time you go through it, and um, so I guess I ended up choosing a career path where I could make that a reality every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like being a South African, one thing I've noticed when we're in the high school, we're always told by our parents, like you need to do, be a lawyer or a doctor or something yeah. of like in that regard. How was that for your parents when you were like? Look, I want to be an actor. Um, I think a lot easier for my mom initially. I think my dad maybe a bit more difficult. Um, I mean, it's like something I knew always knew I wanted to do, and then I ended up flipping taking physics and chemistry and mm. biology. History was fine, um, and I ended up doing that like as a backup. But then this thing was like annoying at the back of my mind. Like, you really have to give this a go. Like, just audition, yeah. see what happens. And then my second option was journalism. Um, and yeah, like I think the more passion I showed for it, the more my parents got on board, specifically my dad, I think. So were you able to do that through like plays and stuff at school, like show them, look, I'm into this? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't want to make it sound like they were like, don't, don't no, do yeah, this. Because sure. my parents are really, really supportive of me and they have been. Um, but I think it can, can, comes more from a place of financial concern. Mm. Um, they're right to worry, you know. Um, it is a tough industry financially in terms of like having a steady yeah. income. But um, yeah, so we had like house plays at school and stuff that I loved to audition for and be in. And I, I guess my like big validating moment was I was in a trick and we had a house play. 
and and then I won like the award for like best mm. actor, and I was like, yeah, I'm fucking <laughs> right for. Um, yeah, and I, I just, I mean, I became completely consumed by this stuff at mm. university as well. Like, I literally would spend my entire day on campus. Um, and when I did campus radio, I was literally on campus from like five in the morning until ten, eleven at night because sure. I had rehearsals in the yeah. evening. And I mean, I won't say it was the healthiest I ever was because yeah. that's not healthy. But yeah. um, but I was in love with it, and I think my parents could see that. Um, and so, you know, eventually they just kind of fully got on board. Yeah. So you studied at the University of Pretoria. I did. So how was that in terms of like? Well, run me through it. I don't really know what actors do. I'm an engineer. So, yeah. like, you go to lectures, then you say you have rehearsals yeah. while you were working at Tux FM, right? Yeah. So, what, what was the whole process? What is it like as a student? So, I think what's important to note is that Tux does have quite a large portion of theory behind, in, within the degree itself, um, which is not a bad thing. Like, it really fed my academic mind and kind of learning about critical theory feminism, which changed my entire life. Um, and yeah, that was really great in kind of understanding where you can draw inspiration from for art and like what art means and can mean and like conceptually really creating work. That was really great for that. Um, and then obviously you get the practical components. So you have theoretical components, um, some that are kind of more critical theory based. Yeah. Um, and then you've got stuff that's more performance related. And then you have practical modules like acting and voice um, and then movement um, and so you have all of these and then you have rehearsals and often rehearsals don't happen in class time so yeah. they generally happen like post lectures yeah. um, and sometimes venues are booked so you have to wait for a bit later so sometimes you are on campus at, like 11 o'clock at night you know like but yeah. you eat that shit up like it's Christmas. Um, <laughs> and and I will say, like, it was an incredible time in my life because the incredible thing about studying um, acting and being so immersed in all of that is you're literally in an environment that's, like, forcing you to be creative all the time. You continue in that space. And when you leave a sphere like that and you, you feel a bit on your own, like, you're like, shit. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't have this thing that's telling me to keep being creative and, like, yeah. investing in myself. And then that feels really lonely. So savor that shit. Like that's yeah. my advice to people. While you're in that environment, eat it up and then try and create that when you leave. But do you think it's tough? Like, like I mean, I guess if you have the passion for it, putting in those full days when you're yeah. going into the evening, it becomes easy to do or you just look at it like, this is what I want to do. This is fun. Um, I mean, yeah, like... I, I really loved the stuff I was doing, um, so it made it a lot easier. And I love, like, something I learned from university was, like, how much I love process. So, yeah, at the end of the day, you produce a product, but I fell in love with, like, that really liminal space of just being in process and creation and, and doing that in a really organic way. So, like, sometimes it feels like you're getting nowhere. Yeah. But you realize those are the building blocks of getting somewhere. Just inspired myself where I'm trying to add in my life. Sure. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah. Um, what was your question? <laughs> no, I was just asking, like, if it's tough to keep going while you're studying. Because uh, yeah. if, if I can relate this to myself, doing engineering, at times there's no sense of reward. Okay. You know, it's very theoretical. We're doing maths all the right. time. So then it gets to a point where it's like, why am I doing this? Why am I studying for so many hours? Yeah. You know, and you have to wait for those small, like, practical assignments where you get to build something. Or, 
like for me, the way I stay motivated is always looking at the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, I, I'm doing this for the degree at the end of the day, even though this current semester is going to shit, yeah. you know? So for you, what, like, to keep going during the day, mm. how did you keep yourself motivated? Um, I think I just, I loved it. I think that was largely it. Mm. I just really loved it. And I guess having that practical being in action allows you to continuously be reminded why you're doing it and like yeah. the adrenaline is unreal like it is incredible and like as fucking scary as it is standing mm. in front of a group of people and performing it is an incredible adrenaline rush and like you glow after performance you know and you're able to see how like literally what you've done emotionally affects people um, or stirs something mm. in them possibly even intellectually um, and for me, that was like a great reward. Being that involved was really important for me to get as much as I could out of it. Um, I mean, at the same time, like burnout was real, you know, yeah. like my body would just, I'd get to a point my body would just be like, no, yeah. not going to do it anymore. And then you get like five different sickness, like illnesses, <laughs> you know, like at one point yeah. I got shingles. It was real, sure. you know, it was, I mean, I had stuff going on like in my personal life and then I was rehearsing like every day and my body mm. just couldn't do it anymore. Um, so looking after yourself is really important. You can be passionate, mm. but just make space to breathe, you know? So then going from varsity mm. into the real world, yeah. how was that transition? How, how quickly for you was it before you st started to like feel like you're in the acting industry? Did it take a while before yeah. you got connections and auditions and... Those type of things. So I got an agent. We had a showcase at the end of my third year, um, and I got an agent um, from that. And my advice to young actors would be: if you, even if you are at university and you do have showcases and agents approach you, my advice would be: don't just go with the first agent who's like, "Hey, do yeah. your research." Um, I got a really cool agent, you know, out of the whole spiel. Um, and then I did an audition because I that following year because I did my honours and I was like really committed like I'm gonna give my all to my honours um because I'm a nerd and <laughs> yeah and so then that was my honours was 2015 and so 2016 was really my first year kind of going in the industry mm. yeah <laughs> that wasn't fun um it's like and and I don't think we talk about this enough like I said you're in this incredibly creative environment and suddenly mm. you feel really alone and so it was really miserable, like, um, it was really horrible. It's like I, I started going to castings and predominantly you, you're going to commercial castings. So. Yeah. And what happens is like, essentially, like you study for four years and then you walk into a room and they're like, you know, do your profile, blah, 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 and like do something random, like whatever little thing they want yeah. you to do. And then like, cool, that. And you're like, it's five minutes. Yeah. It's five minutes. But did you study like and like yeah, and so you kind of have to get over yourself. Yeah. Um, and then it's also kind of just realizing where the industry's at. So like, I look really young. I'm 26, and I still get asked for my ID. <laughs> and it was about understanding that. Mm. So like, I'm not going to get particular kinds of roles. Like in 10 years, maybe I'll get the roles I want to get. You know, because yeah. I look a very particular kind of way, and the camera picks that up as well. Um, so it was understanding that, and it was like learning what the industry is really like that for people who look like me um majorly the kind of work you've been doing is not the kind of industry 
And so it was learning what was really happening mm. out there. And also learning that like auditioning is a skill. And I didn't get that enough at university. Like dealing with nerves, you know, like yeah. walking into a room and the casting director's in front of you and you're like just trying not to fuck up, basically. Um, which totally removes all creativity from what you're yeah. doing. Um, and I think only really recently for me have has auditions have auditions become fun. And I'm like, oh, like I chose to do this because it's also fun and I get to play for the rest of my life. Yeah. Like how many people can say that, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's really t- it is tough when you leave. And what I luckily what I did in that year 2016, I made like a, a physical theatre movement show, and then I. I spent like, because all of us were freelancing and unemployed. Mm. Um, and so we were able to create a show together, yeah. like a movement show. And it was really powerful. And it was coming off the back of kind of all my discovery into feminism. And I made this really beautiful work and I was really proud of it. And that was incredibly rewarding. Um, and then the year after that, like, it was also like, I remember I landed a commercial and, you know, like the reality of everything set in. So I landed a commercial and, I get it set and then they end up only using like this part of my face. And what that essentially means is if your face is not in a commercial, they mm. don't pay you the full amount. So they pay you for sure. the day. They don't yeah. pay you like usage, which is like, which is like the 100%, 200% yeah. of your day rate. So you get like this, you know, measly amount of money. And that actually happened with like another commercial I did with mm. my partner. Mm. We were both like, we went for it and we didn't end up featuring us in the ad. Um, and like you don't get all the money. Yeah. And then um, I would say so at the end of your my years are all messed up. But maybe at the end of twenty seventeen, was it twenty seventeen? Um, I remember I was in Cape Town. I sent in a self tape for like mm. Seven Delan and I'm like it was just a mess, even how I recorded it. Like <laughs> there was a lot going on at home and people yeah. were coming over. Um and anyway, I recorded this thing, and my, just after my grandfather passed away, and I like, had to go to Cape Town, and as I'm in Cape Town, like, my agent calls me, and like, you've got like, this little part in Seven Blind. And I was like, oh, cool. Yeah, but like, you have to leave <laughs> early. I mean, luckily, I could still leave for my grandfather's yeah. funeral. And like, I remember like, flying back home, like, absolutely fucking distraught, and my whole family not being home, and then like, having to do this, and it was really exciting. Um, so and you were then, like thrown in the deep end. Yeah. yeah. And at the end of that year, end of 2017, I ended up auditioning for local Afrikaans film called Strom Orp. Like also just after my grandfather mm. passed away. And and then I got that. And so I Seven Blind came up like on the 2nd of Jan of 2018. And then I had a movie lined up for like, I started shooting in March. And like that was crazy. Like so, that that was strong. That was strong. So yeah. let's talk about that. Like yeah. that was quite a, a big thing. Yeah. I think. Um, I mean, I watched the movie. I enjoyed. For one, I enjoyed the production quality yeah. of the movie. It was quite nice to see from it being a South African movie. The sound was good. The storyline was like clear to follow. Yeah. And the lead actors were all women, which was quite something. Yeah. so in terms of that movie what was that whole experience in terms of seeing a full production team and yeah yeah talk us through that so the the joke about it is so to give you an idea okay the movie takes place like along the orange river 
which is literally like in the Northern Cape, it's the desert. And we were literally filming like the river was the border, our base camp was the border between Namibia and South Africa. So like literally you could cross the river and like enter another country. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so we were living like in tents at base camp. I would call it glamping. And it wasn't like, you know, we had toilets in like those little portable things. Like, yeah. We had showers, like these canvas showers. And a day of shooting, like if we were really shooting in specific locations down the river, would include climbing in a 4 by 4 driving for 15 minutes, climbing on a little boat, going up the river for like another 15, 20 minutes. And then this one location we shot in was like hiking for an hour sure. in the desert. And then shooting along the river. And it was really tough. It was like, as they would say, baptism by fire. It was an incredible experience, and it's an incredibly beautiful part of the country. And the joke on set was like, your collar, any set you, this is like for your first film, wow. And any other set you work on, work on after this is going to be a piece of cake, because it mm. was rough. Like, the first day of filming, I remember we were shooting in this Jeep, and there was no aircon in the Jeep. It was like this old Jeep, and like now your body's mm. still trying to adjust. And I remember standing outside the Jeep, like just fucking like <laughs> drinking water and like feeling like I was going to faint, and people walking past me. And I was like, how am I going to survive yeah. a month in the desert? And your body adjusts. Um, mm. And it was really like, it was a big learning experience for me. So I got to work with really experienced actors. And that was amazing because you just sit on set and you suck that shit up. Like mm. you, you watch and you learn. And it was a lot of learning about like, you know, like camera and like reserving your energy for specific performances for when the camera's on you and like don't give too much in your wide, wait for the close-up to like mm. have the full emotion and like really, really go there. And what was really great is I worked with Ilsa Klink, who like I grew up watching on Issy Dingo and sure. like she is a fucking rock star. Like yeah. she just also held my hand through everything. And um it was just a really great way to know people and so literally like from working with that production company, it's how I got involved with Pilesa Kint, which came out now in 2020, 2019. Yeah. Um, literally because of the work I did on that. So it was really an incredible way to enter the industry. Like I I was about 50 shades darker. Yeah. <laughs> when you are melanin, you know, you have the melanin, the ancestors that come yeah. But um, yeah, it was it was really amazing. Really, really amazing. So in terms of like the experience of um, like shooting commercials before and then going to shoot this big movie, yeah. what was it like to see like in a sense where the budget goes? Like you understand why it's hard to shoot a movie as opposed to a commercial. Commercials like what one two days, um, and you've got like these huge financial institutions who are backing it, and their budget for that is ridiculous. Mm. Like you look at the food on the commercial set, it's like oh my god, like mm. it's wild, like it's really amazing. And film sets, you just wrap it a bit more. But I mean, mm. you're shooting for longer periods of time, which means you, like you've got to remember, you're not just employing actors, right? You're employing crew, like, and crew works the hardest, I think. Like mm. actors are like coddled on set it was really weird for me coming from a theater background because theater like do your own shit and yeah yeah people are like do you need this and i was like yeah i'll do it i'll carry the thing no you know don't yeah. we'll bring it to you on set um 
so yeah like i understand it and there's insurance as well like i have to insure those cameras that are worth millions of rand um you've got to feed people you know um you like where we were you had to give them a place to stay sometimes and sometimes it's travel costs and that's like four months you know um and then apart from that it's like advertising so most films that are made in south africa don't actually make a profit you know um things from was one of the few films that actually like made a profit in that year sure. and so people don't understand that going in like a lot of times it, it's this big investment and yeah so like that was something else i learned you know it's like it's not just you there are a million other people on set doing a lot of things like us as the viewers watching we don't see the tiny little bits that go in there like the people that yeah. dress the set that make it look like it's lived in mm. like there's a whole story behind that like makeup you know um wardrobe department everyone's helping to create a world and like mm. get people to buy into it i think it's fucking amazing but yeah. um yeah so there's a lot of money that goes into that um so you know the food won't always be the best on set The food we had in Stromberg was incredible. Um um because I think it's the company they got that set up the camps for us. They made the food and we had like farm bread and quickie course. And, yeah. Yeah, it was good food. So do you think do you think in terms of like how you were treated on the set of Stromberg mm. um do you think that actors like young people trying to be actors need to sort of understand that it's not hollywood okay. like you're not going to be flown in a helicopter to the top of the mountain where you have to shoot you might actually have to take a trek there yeah. type of thing i mean to be fair like when we signed on to do the film they made it quite clear like it wasn't going to be mm. a glamorous shoot like you were going to have to pull your weight kind of thing um so yeah it's not hollywood we don't have the budget to be doing that like you hear stories about like overseas like some some um actors only want to be called to set like when they've set up the whole shots. I mean that doesn't really happen here. Like yeah. you know, like you you sit there they're still fixing the light and like trying to get the light right and like get the angle right and the chatting mm. and and that requires a lot of focus as an actor that I didn't realize before being on set. But being on set I was like oh, like I need to I need to zone these people out right now cuz that's going to mess with my shit. Mm. Um and that's a skill you also develop. So yeah, it's not glamorous. I mean, you're treated with a lot more kick gloves than everyone else on set, yeah. but you know. I just want to touch on that thing of like you you say you learn the skills like there on set yeah. type of thing. So, how much do you think your degree and studying prepared you for the real world? Like I, like yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, it gave you the technical aspect of how to act, but yeah. then obviously working in the industries something you just have to learn on the job. I think so. I think there's there's so much that like the institution can teach you, but you really learn when you're in it, mm. I think. And the industry is very different to what studying is. Um yeah, like just working with other people, like being on set, and it's like the small thing. So in theater, you you getting like a, maybe sometimes a rehearsal period of a month, right? So I learn exactly how you work. and i learn how to move around the way you work and we develop a language with each other and a working relationship with each other on set often times people even don't get the chance to rehearse right so you get him mm. on set and this actor has a very specific need for how for them to do well and put their best foot forward mm. that can be totally against what you do but you've got to make space for them yeah and that is like 
oh, I've got to find a way to do this with you. Um, and you, it's a, like a lot more of a slow burn while you're studying, you're able to kind of navigate that with someone. When you're in the industry, it's different. Um, yeah, and I think it just doesn't prepare you for like the, the breaks in between work, mm. um, kind of the mental health aspect of looking after yourself. I don't think university particularly prepares you for that. So like having a really good support network. And um, I would say, like I have this thing, this theory, right? You, you can only become a better actor because you get more life experience. Like who I was when I finished studying in 2015 mm. is not the same person today. So I'm definitely a better actor because I've lived life. Live life. Yeah. Like have a life. I think that's one of the most important things like as an actor. Go live. You know, I'm not saying do dumb shit so you have like somewhere to pull from emotionally. Cause, <laughs> like, you know, relax. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, like, live your life. Don't let this thing mm. be your life. You know, because if it doesn't work out and you're not working for it, yeah. Yeah, so how, how do you balance that? Like, going from, say, you shoot Storm Up and you're there for yeah. a month or two, a couple months, how do you. And then you go back home where mm. there's no the movie that you need to shoot. Yeah. How do you keep money coming in, in a sense, or keep yourself active in your work? I got quite lucky in the year, that year of 2018 with Stromov. I went straight from Stromov shooting for like a month or two, and then mm. I went straight into a theatre show that I'd already got casted in at the beginning of that year. And that was like a really lengthy workshop process that we basically spent six months on. So I think my last performance of that was like in the beginning of July of that year. And then I got Fila Sekun shot that for like a week in August and then I ended up doing children's theatre at the end of that year. Um, so I was quite lucky in that I was busy that year. Um, yeah. So then bringing back to how you... Like, how do you keep money coming in when you're not shooting right. a big movie or you don't have, um, yeah, like, adverts and stuff right. like that? So, um, I, even the year before that, I'd landed a job, like, as an online teaching assistant. Um, can I say the university? I'm sure I can. Yeah. Uni, sir. Yeah. Um, so, um, I do teaching assisting for them. So, basically, I do online, I just do online marketing, um, which is great because all you need is a laptop and Wi-Fi. And if you can land that gig, like, mm. yeah. I, I had to give that up for, like, the semester when I shot Stromor because I was literally shooting in a place that didn't have any signal and you would have to drive 45 minutes to get any. So, yeah, that was a tough time. And, um, and so I didn't do that, but that's generally how I afford debit orders and I'm able to go to the gym when I do go <laughs> and have medical aid and stuff. But, um, yeah, and then 2019 happened and... I made money in 2019 because I landed a really big ad, a big financial institution. Um, and then I shot a movie in June, I think. Um, didn't get paid off a lot. You just you don't generally get paid off a lot. And, um, and so I made money, but like the monthly thing that keeps me going is this job. And I also lecture part-time every now and then at the University of Pretoria as well. Um, so I kept that door like really open there, which has yeah. been really great. So you've got to find ways of making money. I mean, I have friends doing all sorts of things um, to make money, pull from your skills, um, your skill set, just develop them. Yeah. Like I've also noticed quite a few people who are actors 
are then on the side like TV show hosts or radio hosts or in other aspects of media yeah. to keep money coming in. Is that a good way to go about it? Yeah, I mean, I mean, if if you want to do that, like, I mean, some people will say, get your hand in every pie, and you know, there's going to be another mm. argument for branding, and you know, kind of, do you want to be all of these different things, or do you want to be seen as this? But do what you have, you've got to do for you. I mean, I don't think it's a terrible thing widening your portfolio. Like our industry is only so big, so the more you can do, the better. And that's something like I want to work towards, you know, just expanding my skills. Like being an actor is really great. But I do want to also be in charge of the stories I'm a part of and write the roles for myself that I would like to play um, and make work that I'd like to see. Do you think there is an opportunity for you in South Africa to write your own films? I mean... Yeah, there's an opportunity to do it. I mean, it's it's like baby steps to get there. Like, it's, yeah. it's a definitely a long-term plan, like making a full feature-length film, um, but it definitely starts with smaller steps, which is part of my goals of yeah. 2020. Um, but yeah, I think in making the right connections, I mean, whatever you make also has to be marketable, like, you know, to an audience, to a market. Yeah. Um, and that's where, like, you know, funding proposals come in and all of that. So um, there's, there, there are a million different ways to do it. And maybe if all of us don't know exactly how to go about it, I mean, I'm, I'm in the process of, like, definitely learning. Um, but for myself, I was just like, I want a lot more agency in the industry I'm in. And sometimes being an actor, you don't really feel like you always have power in your own career. I mean, yeah. I do. But it doesn't feel that way. So how do you go about learning how to take the next step or say you want to get into writing or yeah. finding funding for a project? How do you learn how you do that? How do you learn to ask which people like... I mean, like... like for yourself personally, do you have a mentor or something like that? No, so I have I have friends who are in different parts of the industry as well. Um, a friend of mine is a photographer, um, uh, you know, camera operator... Um, and so there's things he knows that I don't know shit about. Um, mm. So something that I'm doing this year is like reaching out to other creatives who know things that I don't um, and asking them how to do things. So I, it was like a Facebook page, I think, but they still have like a mailing list. And it's, um, I think it's called Film TV. I'll give you the proper name of it. But they give you like literally every month film grants, like which you can apply for. Um, but obviously you need to have really developed your project to a specific point mm. before you even start looking at those things. Um, so yeah, or, or like literally I've learned the people on set to really talk to are always the production team because they mm. really know what's happening. Um, and yeah, you'll like learn in talking to producers and production teams, like what's happening, what have you heard about this? And, um, developing connections and networking with people and networking isn't like just like beelining to someone and. I mean, I guess you could do that, but I, I prefer like organic things, you yeah. know, like talking to people and just like really being invested in who they are and what they do and mm. really seeing what comes out of that and telling them what your passions are as well. Um, a lot comes out of that, I find. Yeah, I think it's, it's always better if you can get some sort of a natural relationship with somebody and yeah. then they're more inclined to help you out and share their knowledge. Um, because like yeah, what this podcast is trying to do is sharing knowledge and like the small steps of how to get somewhere in yeah. whatever industry. Yeah. So like 
what I'm noticing is you are quite far into it, about five years into mm-hmm. Yeah. In terms of somebody who is nowhere, who's like yeah. trying to be an actor yeah. from high school maybe. So you have about five years of experience into the industry. I mean, that's like your own experience. You've learned what you've learned. But for other people, they know like nothing. Right. right. Yeah. So I'm trying to just give like a few hints. That sort of like connection between the, you know, nothing and some sort of experience. So you, you talked about having an agent. and Yeah that is one way to get gigs when do you when can you like ditch your agent and find a better agent or how do you go about phrase it's so terribly (laughs) (laughs) how do you go about getting connections in for example other film industries other countries sure i mean i mean so well to first answer about the agencies like knowing when to leave so i i recently moved agencies like the end of last year and it wasn't because my previous agents were terrible people. They're lovely. They're really lovely. And I was with them from the beginning, <clears throat> like from when I said that we had that showcase. Mm. I just felt like I was in a different place. And I wanted someone who kind of encapsulated where I was at. I, I just reached mm. a different place. I needed a new kickstart of energy. Like I'd become a different person. Like the last couple of months of my life have been like really interesting and mm. Um, I've just really like had an awakening to a lot of things and I needed to reflect that and so I went agent hunting which is what I should have done at 21 but I'm hmm. doof like I didn't know that anyway and um, it was literally about sending out emails um, attaching my headshots my CV if you have a showreel attach that too um, and setting up meetings with them and then having conversations and going into that meeting hmm. and then <laughs> and um, and going into that meeting with questions. Yeah. Um, so what are you looking for in an, an agent? Like what can they offer you that other agents don't? Is there something mm. unique about them? Is international work really important to you? Um, and what is their style of working? What do they expect from you? Um, mm. Make sure the email you send is like good and proper English. You know, like don't make spelling mistakes. Try and be grammatically correct. Try and have a mm. formal tone of email. Don't be like, hi, I want to join. Like, you know, if you're not sure, ask someone, ask your smart friend who's good at English and like ask them to yeah. help you out. Um, so, yeah, so I have a new agent now and I really joined at the end of last year. So I'm excited to see where that goes and where that relationship mm-hmm. goes. And I, w- I attended a meeting last year. So we have an actors union actually in South Africa called Saga, which is South African Guild of Actors. And um, membership is like full membership is like 160 something rand a month. Um, if you are a student who's about to go into the industry, they do offer like a year free, um, okay. so that you can kind of see what they're there yeah. for. So sometimes they offer workshops like over a weekend or like a day, and they bring people in to talk to you or like develop a skill or whatever. Mm. Um, and last year I went to a meeting. There was a African actor and her husband who had moved to Hollywood, and they were. Kind of talking about she was talking about their process and immigrating and all of that and advice that she gave and i'm sure people are going to say a million different things because everybody's journey is different yeah. it's something i continually learn you know yeah. um comparison is the devil and um she was saying like what's great about here in south africa is you like people over there celebrate like in the states when they just get an audition mm. you know 
And here, like we can, we have access to international stuff. They shoot about a bunch of international stuff in South Africa. So it's actually easier for you to get an audition into an international gig here than it might be like being a little gutty outside thousands and thousands mm. of other people. And so what she was saying was like, wait for the pull instead of the push. So try and build up an international repertoire here first before going over. That's her advice. And like get a showreel together so you can show yeah. agents that side. I mean, there are other ways of like making showreels um, where you find scripts and then like, you know, recording different accents and kind of show you skill set and put that together, make sure it looks good, it's edited mm. well. Um, <clears throat> so there's like different people are going to go about their careers in a million different ways. Um, yeah. yeah. And there's, I've missed anything in that. Yeah. Noises. <laughs> so I just I just want to touch on uh, quickly before we wrap up cool. the state of the South African film industry and yeah. what is to come I guess. Yeah. So I mean I've noticed the likes of Netflix having the show Shadow. Yeah. That came out I think it came out last year. Yeah. Um, that's sort of showing investment in our film industry. So if you can touch on that. How do we get more investment? How do we build the industry? Or what do you think needs to happen in the South African industry? Um, to add that, I know there's like a new Netflix, so that's the Netflix show called Agent. It's also started on Netflix now. Um, I think it's about like a sports soccer agent. Or something. Oh, okay. um, so there is other work on there that's on there now. And there is some local movies that have been shifted onto Netflix as well. I know Paul Tusi is also starring in something that's coming Queen out. Queen Sono, yeah. yeah. I read about um, that on the airplane while yeah. traveling. Actually. Yeah. yeah. So also, if you're like young and out there and you want to get involved in the industry, just like learn what's happening. Like, mm. you know, bookmark or not bookmark, but like get notifications from specific websites or search them, so you can really know what's happening in the industry. Um, sure. I mean, I don't know. I think I think at the moment, like people are really looking to develop audiences. So, um, where the Afrikaans industry has been incredible in that they've really developed the audiences and like people come out and watch those movies um and even all of their movies aren't making a profit you know mm -hmm. um but i think there's definitely opportunity and there's growth and it's about learning what the south african audience wants and what are people what are the stories people want to see it's like there was that movie last year losing lorato that made like crap of money um and then you look at what was that movie oh i'm gonna sound like a complete tourist now <laughs> Um, but that was like shot in Pretoria, completely low budget, like shot in a mm. week and then did really well at the cinemas last year. And then unfortunately one of the lead actors, um, was killed. Sure. So I can't remember what the name of the movie is. Uh, anyway. Um, so there's a market out there. I mm. think it's really about audience development at the moment. And I think, I mean, it is exciting that they're streaming, but again, majority of our country like lives below the poverty line. So what does yeah. entertainment look like for actually the majority of our country? I don't know. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I think there's definitely room for growth. I think there are people making incredible work in South Africa and then showing their stuff overseas. Mm. Yeah, you know? but it's, it's challenging because, I mean, if I can think about what perhaps the majority of South Africa is watching, is the likes of soapies and stuff like that. So my dad watches... A soapy called Mbeu. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it plays five nights a week, yeah. you know, but the sound quality is atrocious. Um, 
but obviously it has a following it's still being viewed yeah so maybe although i personally think it's not that good quality but it gives those actors a job type of thing they can show their skills sort of and like move on to better things but then why is like the SABC airing shows like that of that quality when they could be airing other shows do you think there are other shows that are I mean the SABC is is in a financial situation and like Uh, that's like kind of the reality of the situation. So, I mean, you look at like Isidingo has just been cancelled, you know, because I'm not sure exactly. I mean, their ratings probably weren't as good as the other ones, and that's money that's being poured into something that maybe isn't kind of reaping the kind of invest, like the results and the revenue they wanted to. Um, because in Bewu, that's what people want to see, that's what people want to watch. Some people don't want to watch incredibly complex stuff, like, mm. you know. We, because we maybe come from a specific financial demographic within the country, have been exposed yeah. to other things, and so we look for different things in what we watch. And I was literally, I was listening to the radio the other day, and they were interviewing someone. I think it was on Seven O Two, who's worked in the film industry, and they were saying like one of the most popular storylines in terms of audiences like really investing in a story is witchcraft in South Africa, mm. um, and violence and guns, and is so. They, they were saying it could be like as a result of our like cultural history in terms of witchcraft and our yeah. belief systems, even if not everyone really thinks that way anymore, um, although some people do. And um, there's an escapism in violence, right? So do people want to watch This Is Us in South Africa? Like, do they want to watch that version? I mm. find it incredibly interesting, but do people really want to see that? This woman was also saying how... Um, like in most South African TVs, when sex scenes come on, people switch the TV off or they change oh. the channel, like local audiences for local work, like local mm. um, shows. So I think it's, again, it's about understanding our people. Yeah, you know? understanding the audience and then making shows for them, I guess. Right, which is why yeah. witchcraft and guns, you know? Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's quite accurate because if you think about maybe American films like showing your fancy car and your money and like, you know, that's like action and all of that is interesting for them. But here people are like, what is that kind of thing? Like there's no, there's no tangible relationship to like the fast cars and buildings exploding, you know, like maybe you need a story where it's like relatable in some way. I mean, I think South Africans might want to watch that though, like a big action movie where they have the budget to do it. Yeah, but you see that, that I, I guess that's also the thing, like, we don't see South African movies with buildings exploding, yeah. cars crashing, stuff like that, because, as you say, there's no budget for that. Yeah, and I mean, so interestingly, like, um, you, there's like a also progression of how they say third world cinema kind of moves, and um, like, I think the second phase is like trying to emulate kind of classical Hollywood narratives and you know, going for all of that, and then it eventually kind of moves into <clears throat> really slower-paced films and mm. very specific kinds of stories, and um, I can send you the stuff for that. Um, but, and I think there's that kind of work being made, but those movies don't make money. So are you in, are you in the, pro- like, do you want to make a movie to tell a story? Do you want to make a movie to make money? I remember talking to this producer and he said to me, like, 
you make a movie that you know you can make money with so you can make that art movie because you know it's not going to make mm. money. But if the story is really good enough, like you'll invest in it because mm. you'll back it because um, it's worth telling. Yeah, that's actually an interesting point. I've actually like realized that for myself recently that we as South Africans, we have to produce content at such a high level with using not such expensive equipment. For example, like making a, a song, you have to make it sound as professional as possible, but yeah. not using professional studio and whatnot because we don't have the money for it or, you know, whereas in America, it's so easy to produce a, a song with that high quality. Yeah. So in, in terms of like, we almost have to be twice as good to compete at the same level as other other industries that are very established and very well resourced. Yeah, I mean, again, what are we trying to make? So like, are we trying to make what they make in the way they make it? Or are we trying to make something different? Because you look at the genre of genres of music that are coming out of South Africa right now that are having huge international impact. Mm. And it's because we're not trying to sound like it. But, okay, I understand what you're saying, yeah. but the difference between, like, making what they're making and the, the quality, the quality okay. right? So, yeah. we, if you look at our music production, especially the likes of Ama Piano, it sounds quite nice, right? It's made well. The, especially African vocals are, I think, the best. Like, oftentimes, African vocals sound so nice, right? But then, if you look at how people actually recorded those vocals... Like, if you go behind the scenes yeah. and see the equipment and stuff, it's not nearly as good as what yeah. half the American artists have access to. Yeah. So I that's mean, what I'm saying. We have to be, like, twice as good just to compete on that. Yeah, but I think I think so, that's what also has made us so creative and unique. Mm-hmm. And you've got to find really interesting ways of getting a result, which can make you incredibly creative. I mean, it can be the thing that blocks you, but it can also be the thing that sets you apart. Yeah. And something I'm learning is, like, how to not view it all as an obstacle. Like, how do I view it, view it as an opportunity? I'm not mm. saying it's like an easy, because it's not. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I think we have incredible talent here. I think we're showing that worldwide, you know? Um, mm. And I really believe in our country. Like, I really believe in our industry, you know, despite all the, like, hurdles and obstacles and, like, feeling completely like, what the fuck sometimes. Um, like I just believe in it and I'm excited like I'm excited for the future I'm excited for where everything's going it's probably don't go into recession because that's yeah. going to affect the whole industry but, um, oh, Lord, please. <laughs> uh, let's not go there so for, for you personally <laughs> um, in 2020 where you can expect Mr. Johnson yeah a movie yeah um, anything else on the cards at the moment not at the moment hoping to make a short film this year um let you know if that happens when it happens let me not say um yeah and just kind of holding the door open for whatever comes my way Mm. um i'm scheduled to do some children's theater this year um but yeah the door's open i'm ready and a lot more positive and inviting of the good stuff this year so i'm i'm really excited any last messages you want to give to that young actress out there that's wanting to follow in your footsteps? Be patient with yourself. Be patient with the way things work. Um, I am learning to do that. Enjoy the moments of success because I struggle with um, feeling like I've done enough. 
it's never enough, it's never enough. And that mm. really, it doesn't, doesn't enable you to enjoy when good things happen um, and to be in the moment. So talking about what I've done like puts things into perspective. So be patient with yourself, enjoy the really good moments, and um, never stop learning. Never, ever, ever, ever. Um, and really try not to compare yourself and collaborate with other creatives. Um, form really good communities, not just for like creativity, but just for mental well-being as well. Yeah. Um, that's really important. People are struggling out there and we just need to be there for each other. Thank you very much for, for coming on and sitting down with us. Um, you can check out Fila Second, which is now in box office. Yeah. Right? Um, and yeah, if you'd like to see or hear about what Carla's doing next, go to her Instagram and follow her. Um, Do you put that down below yeah, somewhere? Yeah, I'll tag it somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thanks for watching or listening or watching the podcast. Um, if you'd like to support the podcast, please go to our store and purchase any item. Anything you buy will support us dearly. Um, but yeah, it's been a podcast. Till next time. Cheers.